Monday matinees begin right here on the Mutual Audio Network. The following audio drama is rated PG for parental guidance. Merry Christmas. What right have you to be merry? What reason have you to be merry? 
to be married. You're poor enough. Oh, come then. What right have you to be dismal? What reason have you to be morose? You're, you're rich enough. Impertinent. Oh, don't cross me, uncle. What else can I be when I live in such a world of fools as this? Merry Christmas. Out upon Christmas. What's Christmas time to you but a time for paying bills without money? A time for finding yourself a year older and not an hour richer? If I could work my will, every idiot who goes about with Merry Christmas on his lips should be boiled with his own pudding and buried with a stake of holly to his heart. Oh, Nephew, keep Christmas in your own way and let me keep it in mine. Oh, but you don't keep it. Let me leave it alone, then. Much good it may do you. Much good it has ever done you. I dare say there are many things from which I might have derived good, by which I have not profited Christmas alone the rest. But Christmas time is the only time I know of when men and women seem by one consent to open their hearts freely and to think of people below them as, as fellow passengers, not, not another race of creatures bound on other journeys. And therefore, uncle, though it never has put a scrap of gold or silver in my pocket, I do believe it has done me good, and will do me good, I say. God bless it. Here, here. God bless it. Another sound from you, Bob Cratchit. And you'll keep your Christmas by losing your situation. As for you, nephew, you're quite a <coughs> speaker. I wonder you don't go into Parliament. Ah. Don't be angry, Uncle. Come, dine with us tomorrow. Uh, sooner be boiled in oil. Don't Why? Why did you marry against my wishes? Because I fell in love. Love. The only thing in the world more ridiculous than a merry Christmas. Good afternoon, sir. I want nothing from you. I ask nothing for you. Why can we not be friends? Good afternoon. I am sorry with all of my heart to find you so resolute. We have never had any quarrel to which I have been a party, but I have made the trial and homage to Christmas, and I'll keep my Christmas human for last. A Merry Christmas to you, Uncle. Good afternoon. And a Happy New Year. Hot fuck. <laughs> Merry Christmas, Bob. No, a Merry Christmas, sir. You're a fine fellow, Bob Cratchit. Fifteen shillings a week and a wife and family. Talking of a merry Christmas. I'll retire to bed on Good, 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 good afternoon, sir. Scrooge and Marley's, I believe. The lady, whatever you like. Uh, have we the pleasure of addressing Mr. Scrooge or Mr. Marley? Mr. Marley has been dead these seven years. He died seven years ago this very night. We have no doubt his liberality is well represented by his surviving partner. <laughs> liberality, an ominous word. And this festive season of the year it is more than usually desirable that we should make some slight provision for the poor and the destitute. Many thousands are in want of common necessaries. And hundreds of thousands are want of common comfort, sir. Are there no prisons? Plenty of prisons. And the workhouses. Are they still in operation? Oh, they are. Still, I, I wish I could say they were not. The treadmill, the poor law, are in full vigor then? Oh, very busy, sir. I'm very glad to hear it. I was afraid that something had occurred to stop them in their useful course. But they scarcely furnish Christian cheer of mind or body to the multitude, sir. Oh, few of us 
upon the exchange or endeavoring to raise a raise a price of fun to buy the poor some, some meat and some drink and means of water. We choose this time because it is a time when want is keen, we felt, and abundance we choose. So, what shall we put you down for? Nothing. You, you wish to be left anonymous. I wish to be left alone. Since you ask me what I wish, gentlemen, that is my answer. I don't make merry myself at Christmas, and I cannot afford to make idle people merry. My taxes support the establishments I have mentioned. They cost enough. Those who are badly off must go there. Well, many can't go there, and many would rather die. If they would rather die, then they had better do it and decrease the surplus of population. But, sir, it's enough for a man to understand his own business and not interfere with other people's. My business occupies me constantly. Good afternoon, gentlemen. Scrooge resumed his labors with an improved opinion of himself. Meanwhile, the fog and darkness thickened. The brightness of the shops made pale faces ruddy, and the grocers' trades became a splendid joke, a glorious pageant that had little to do with such dull principles at bargain and sale. Mm.
I suppose you'll be wanting the whole day off tomorrow, Cratchit. If it's quite convenient, sir. It is not convenient, and it's not fair. If I was to stop you half a crown for it, you'd think yourself ill-used, I'll be bound. Yet you don't think me ill-used when I pay a day's wages for no work. So, it's only once a year. Or excuse for picking a man's pocket every 25th of December. But I suppose you must have the whole day. Be here all the earlier the next morning. Oh, uh, 
particular for a shade. Who were you then? In life, I was your partner, Jacob Marley. Can, can you can you sit down? I can. Do it then. You don't believe in me. I don't. Why do you doubt your senses? Because any little thing affects them. The slight disorder of the stomach makes them cheats. You may be an undigested bit of beef, a crumb of cheese, a fragment of underdone potato. There's more of gravy than grave about you, whatever you are. You see this toothpick? I have but to swallow it and be, for the rest of my days, persecuted by a legion of goblins, all of my own creation. How about I tell you? How Man of the worldly mind, do you believe in me or not? Uh, I do. I must. But why do spirits walk the earth and then why do you come to me? It's required for every man that the spirit within him should go walk should walk abroad among his fellow men. If that spirit goes not forth in life, it is condemned to do so after death, to wander through the world in witness what it cannot share, what might have shared on earth, and turn to happiness. Tell me, why are you fettered? And why do your chains bear cash boxes, padlocks, and ledgers? I wear the chain I forged in life. I made it link by link and yard by yard. I girded it on of my own free will. And of my own free will I wore it. Is its pattern strange to you? Or would you know the weight and length of strong coil you bear yourself? It was full as heavy and as long seven Christmas Eves ago. You have labored on its sense. It is a ponderous chain. Speak comfort to me, Jacob. No, I have none to give. It comes from other regions, Ebenezer. It is conveyed by other ministers to other kinds of men. I cannot rest. I cannot stay. I cannot linger anywhere. Mark me. In life, my spirit never rode beyond the narrow limits of our money-changing hole. In weary journeys lie before me. You might have got over a great quantity of brown in seven years, Jacob. Oh, Captain Bound and Double Iron. Spirit working kindly in its little sphere will find its mortal life too short. No space of regret can make amends for one life's opportunities miss you. But you were always a good man of business, Jacob. Business! Mankind was my business! The common welfare was my business! My trade was but a drop of water in the comprehensive ocean of my business. Hear me. My time is nearly gone. I am here tonight to warn you that you have yet a chance and hope of escaping my fate. The chance and hope of my victory. Ebenezer, you were always. 
is a good friend to me, Jacob. You will be haunted by three spirits. Is that the chance of hope you mentioned, Jacob? In that case, I think I'd rather not. Without their visits, you cannot hope to shun the path I tread. Expect the first when the bell tells one. Couldn't I take them all at once and have it over, Jacob? Look to see me no more. Remember what has passed between us. The apparition walked backwards through the open window. Outside the air was filled with moaning phantoms. Every one of them wore chains. They suffered when they sought to interfere for good in human matters and had lost the power to do so forever. Scrooge went straight to bed and pulled the covers over his head. He woke to hear the chime striking. A quarter past. Half past. A quarter to it. One o'clock. Lights flashed up in the room. The bed curtains were drawn aside, and Scrooge found himself face to face with an unearthly visitor. Not so like a child as an old man, diminished to a child's proportions. Its hair was white, yet the face had not a wrinkle in it, and the tenderest bloom was on the skin. It wore a tunic of the purest white and a lustrous belt around the waist. But the strangest thing about it was that from the crown of its head there sprung a clear jet of light, and its belt sparkled and glittered now in one part, now in another. What was light one instant and another time was dark, so the figure itself fluctuated in its distinctness. Are you the spirit who's coming with Business brings you here. Your welfare. A night of unbroken rest would have been more conducive to my welfare. Your reclamation. Rise and walk with me. The weather and the hour are not adapted to pedestrian purposes. Come to the window. Out the window? But I am a mortal and likely to fall. Bear but a touch of my hand, and you shall be a fault in more than this. Through the wall and stood upon an open country road. The city had entirely vanished. Good heavens! I was bred in this place. I was a boy here. You recollect the way? I mean, I could walk it blindfold. Strange to have forgotten it for so many years. <laughs> the boys were towards them all on horseback, all in great spirits, shouting to each other and filling the fields with merry music. Hello! Neglected by his friends, is left there still. Yes. As he had been on a great many Christmases. Ebenezer? Father? Dear, dear brother, I've come to bring you home. Home, Fan? Yes, home. Forever and ever. Oh, Father's so much kinder than he used to be. He spoke. 
one night that I wasn't afraid to ask him once more if you might come home. And he said, yes, we're to be together all Christmas long and have the merriest time in all the world. Van, always a delicate creature whom her breath might have withered, but she had a large heart. So she had, spirit. She died a woman and had, I think, children. One child. True. Your nephew. Yes. Your lip is trembling. And what is that upon your cheek? Uh, it, it, it is nothing but a pimple. <laughs> Scrooge next found they were in the thoroughfares of a city. Is this warehouse door familiar to you? I was apprenticed here. Look, it's old Fezziwig. Bless his heart, Fezziwig alive again. You there, Ebenezer, Dick, Dick Wilkins, to be sure. Bless me, yes. He was very much attached to me, was Dick, poor fellow. Go home, my boys, no more work tonight. Christmas Eve, Dick. Christmas, Ebenezer. Let's have the shuttles up before men can say Jack Robinson. Hello, but clearly, my lads, let's have lots of room here. Hello, Dick. Cheer up, Ebenezer. In came Mrs. Fezziwig, one substantial smile. And then, whose cheeks blushed when she saw the young Ebenezer. Well, dear Bell, I proposed to her this very warehouse one of Fezziwig's parties. In came the three Miss Fezziwigs, beaming and lovable. And the six young followers whose hearts they broke. And all the young men and women employed in the business. And a housemaid and a cousin the baker. And the cook and the mailman. In they all came, one after another, pushing and pulling and joining in the dance all at once in various wild assortments of affectionate if misplaced movies. <laughs> Just now. That's all. 
My time will grow short. Quickly. Again, Scrooge saw himself now a man in the prime of his life. Bill. Another idol has displaced me in your heart, Ebenezer. What idol has replaced you? A golden one. And if it can cheer and comfort you in time to come, as I would have tried to do, I have no cause to grieve. This is the even-handed dealing of the world. There's nothing on which it is so hard as poverty. And there's nothing it professes to condemn with such severity as the pursuit of wealth. You fear the world too much. I have seen your nobler aspirations fall off one by one until the master passion gain engrosses you. What then? Even if I have grown so much wiser, I have not changed toward you. Our contract is an old one. When it was made, you were another man. That which promised happiness when we were of one mind is fraught with misery now that we are of two. I release you. Have I I ever sought release? In words? No. In, In what then? In a changed nature. In an altered spirit. If this promise had never been between us, tell me. Would you seek me out and try to win me now? You think not. I would gladly think otherwise. But if you were free today, would you choose a dowerless girl? You now weigh everything by gain. Or choosing her, do I not know that your repentance and regret would surely follow? I do. And I release you with the full heart of love of him you once were. May you be happy in the life you have chosen. Spirit, show me no more. Conduct me home. Why do you delight to torture me? I told you, these are shadows of things that have been. That they are what they are. Do not blame me. Remove me. I cannot bear it. Haunt me no longer. Scrooge found himself once more in his own bedroom. He reeled the bed and sank into a heavy sleep. Restored to consciousness just in time to hold conference with the second messenger. Scrooge was prepared to receive anything between a baby and a rhinoceros. (laughs) But when the bell tolled and no shape appeared, he was taken with a violent fit of trembling. A blaze of ruddy light streamed upon the bed. He traced the ghostly light to the adjoining room and shuffled in his slippers to the door. The room was hung about with living green, holy mistletoe and ivy. A mighty blaze went roaring up the fire chimney, the chimney fire, heaped upon the floor in a kind of throng were turkeys, geese, game, sausages, blood plum puddings, red hot chestnuts, cherry cheese apples, immense cakes, and seething bowls of punch. Upon this couch sat a jolly giant, clothed in a deep red mantle, his feet and broad chest bare, and a holly wreath set with icicles upon his head. Come in, come in and do me better than I'm the god. 
elf at the Christmas present. Look upon me! You've never seen the likes of me before. Never. Never walk forth with other members of my family. I betray not. <laughs> Have you met any brothers? Sure, in more than 1800. Tremendous family to provide for. Now, conduct me where you will. If you have ought to teach me, let me profit by it. Perhaps it was the good spirit's generous, hearty nature that led him straight to the house of Scrooge's clock. Oh, whatever has got your precious father then, and your brother Tiny Tim, and any mother were just late last Christmas Day by half an hour. Martha, mother. Mother, there's such a ghost. Martha. Oh, why bless your heart alive, my dear. What you are. We'd a deal of work to finish up last night. And I had to clear away this morning, mother. Well, never you mind, as long as you've come. Now sit you down by the fire, my dear, and have a warm. Oh, Lord, bless you. No, 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 it's father coming. Hi, so much and makes the strangest thing. He, he told me that he hoped that people saw him in church because he's a cripple and it, it might be pleasant to remember upon Christmas Day who made lame beggars walk and blind men see. He's growing strong and hearty, my dear. I, I know this. Such a funny father and such a goose. And such a muscle. You would think the goose was the rarest of birds. A veritable feathered phenomenon. Indeed, there was never such a ghost caught in this household. Enough for everyone. And the youngest Cratchit steeped in sage and onion to the eyebrows. Ah, now comes the pudding. Oh, the pudding. Suppose it should not be done enough. Suppose it should break and turn it out. Suppose somebody should have got over the wall of the backyard and great deal of steam. The pudding is out of the copper and smell like an eating house and a pastry cooks with a laundress next door. Oh, a wonderful pudding. My dear, I regard this as your greatest success since our marriage. <laughs> I must confess I had my doubts about the quantity of flour. Rather a small pudding for such a large family. Any tragic would blush to hint at such a thing. Flat heresy. Merry Christmas to us all, my dears. God bless us, everyone. God bless us, everyone. Spirit, tell me if Tiny Tim will live. I see a vacant seat in the poor chimney corner. And a crutch without an owner, carefully preserved. If these shadows remain unaltered by the future, none other of my kind will find you here. No, kind spirit, say he will be spared. What then? If he be like to die, 
he had better do it and decrease the surplus population. Man, forbear that wicked cat until you have discovered what the surplus is and where it is. It may be that in the sight of heaven you are more worthless and less fit to live than millions like this poor man's child. I give you Mr. Scrooge, the founder of the feast. <laughs> the founder of the feast indeed. I wish I had him here. I'd give him a piece of my mind to feast upon, and I'd hope he'd have a good appetite for us. My dear, the children, it's Christmas Day. Well, it should be Christmas Day, I am sure, on which one drinks the health of such an odious, stingy, hard, unfeeling man as Mr. Scrooge. What you know him is right. Nobody knows him better than you do, poor fellow. On Christmas Day. I'll drink his health for your sake, and the day's not for him. Long life to him, a merry Christmas and a happy new year. He'll be very merry and very happy, I have no doubt. To Mr. Scrooge. To Mr. Scrooge. They were not a handsome family, these Cratchits. They were not well dressed. Their shoes were far from waterproof. Their clothes were scanty and very likely known the inside of a pawnbroker's. But they were happy, grateful, pleased with one another, and contented with the time. When at last they faded, Scrooge had his eye upon them, and especially on Tiny Tim, until the very last. Scrooge and his companion left the clerk's house and went into the street, where all was a bustle with the preparation. Then, without a word of warning, they stood upon a bleak and desert moor. What place is this? A place where miners live, who labor in the bowels of the earth. But they know me. Scrooge and the Spirit traveled far and wide that night. It was indeed but a single night. They visited sailors on their dark watch at sea, and exiles in foreign lands, sick beds and almhouses, hospitals and jails, and everywhere that vain man and his little authority had not made fast the door and barred the Spirit out. And everywhere they stopped, the spirit left his blessing. It was a great surprise to Scrooge to hear, of a sudden, a hearty laugh. It could have happened by unlikely chance to know a man more blessed in a laugh than Scrooge's nephew. All I can say is, I should like to know him. Introduce me, and I'll cultivate the acquaintance. Christmas was a humbug. Always 
Here, he takes it into his head to dislike us, won't come dine with us. What's the consequence? He misses out on a perfectly dreadful dinner. Well, I'm glad to hear it. I haven't much faith in these young housekeepers. What do you say, Tom? Alas, I'm a bachelor. A wretched outcast with no right whatsoever to express the opinion on the subject. <laughs> oh, do go on, Fred. You never finish what you're saying. Well, I was only going to say that by not making merry with us, he loses some pleasant moments, which could do no harm. I mean, to give him the chance every year whether he likes it or not. Quite a musical gathering at Fred's, I can assure you. Especially young Harper, who could growl away in the bass like a good one and never swell the large veins in his forehead or get red in the face over it. But they didn't devote the whole evening to music. And I no more believe Tava was really blind than I believe he had eyes in his boots. The reason that Mrs. Fred's sister was an outrage on the credulity of human nature. Tumbling over chairs, bumping up against the piano, smothering himself in the curtains. Wherever she went, he went. He wouldn't catch anybody else. Clung to his garment, 
a stale and shriveled hand had pinched and twisted their features. No perversion or degradation of humanity has monsters half so horrible and dread. Spirit, are they yours? They are man's. They cling to me for protection. This boy is ignorant. This girl is wanton. Beware them both, but most of all, beware this boy. Have they no refuge or resource? Are there no prisons? Are there no workhouses? Exchange, 
A spirit stopped beside one little knot of businessmen. When did he die? Last night, I believe. Why, what was the matter with him? I thought he never died. What has he done with his money? Left it to his company, perhaps. Hasn't left any to me. It's all right. Why did he wear a cheap funeral? Don't know anybody who'd go to it. I don't mind going if a lunch is provided, but I must be fed. I know those men. I do business with them. Whom do they speak of? Why do you show me this? There was no reply. The bony finger pointed again and Scrooge found himself in an obscure part of town. A place of ill repute. The ways were foul and narrow and the whole place reeked of crime, filth and misery. In this den of infamous resort was a low-browed beetling shop. A grey-haired rascal covered in miscellaneous tatters sat amongst the mountains of unseemly rags. Look here, old show. Here's a chance. If we haven't all freed that ear without meaning it, the charwoman, and the laundress, and the Stop till I shut the door of the shop. There ain't such a rusty bit of metal in the place as its own inches, I believe. And I'm sure there's no such old bones here as mine. <laughs> We're all suitable to our calling. We're all well matched. <laughs> Come in the bar. Come in the bar. Every person has a right to take care of themselves. He always did. That's true indeed. No man more so. Why then don't stand staring as if you was a Well, I sure don't 
back my hand for the sake of such a man as he was. I promise you, Joe. Now don't drop that oil upon the blankets. His blankets. Whose answers do you think? He ain't likely to take cold without a white <laughs> He didn't die of anything, catch I ain't so fond of his company that I loiter about him for such things as you do. Now you may look rapture to your eyes, eh? but you won't find a hole in it. It's the best one he had. They have wasted it, if it hadn't been for me. Wasted it? Buried a minute, to be sure. But I took it off again, as if Calico were good enough for such a purpose. It's quite as becoming to the body. He couldn't have looked uglier than he did in that one. There's an end of it, then. It frightened every one of us from when he was alive to profit us when he's dead. Is there not a man, a woman, or a child? Say a kind word for this wretched creature. Who is it they speak of? The phantom pointed forward till they reached the iron gate of a churchyard. Walled in by houses, overrun by grass and weeds, choked up with too much burying. A worthy place. The spirit stood among the graves and pointed down to one before. I draw nearer to that gravestone you show me. Answer me one question. Are these the shadows of the things that will be? Or are they shadows of the things that may be only? Men's courses will foreshadow certain ends. But if the courses be departed from, surely the ends will change. Say it is thus with what you show me. The spirit was immovable as ever. Scrooge crept towards it, trembling as he went, and following the pointing finger, rang upon the stone of the neglected grave his own name. Spirit, no, spirit, hear me. I am not the man I was. I will not be the man I must have been. Why show me this if I have passed all hope? Good spirit, say that I may yet change these shadows by an altered life, and tell me I may sponge away the writing on this stone. Scrooge held up his hands in supplication and saw an alteration in the phantom's hold and dress. It shrunk, collapsed, and dwindled down into a bedpost. My bed, my room, the bedrooms, eh, they are. Oh, no, they, they are here. I am here. The shadow of things that would have been may be dispelled. Oh, and they will be. I know they will. I will honor Christmas in my heart and try to keep it all year. I will live in the past, present, and the future. The spirits of all three shall strive within me. Oh, Jacob Marley. Heaven and Christmas time be praised. I say it on my knees, old Jacob. On my knees. There's the corner where the ghost of Christmas present sat. There's the window where I saw the wandering spirits. It's, it's all right. It, it's all true. It, it all happened. I, 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 I don't know what to do. I'm as light as a feather. I'm as merry as a schoolboy. I'm as giddy as a drunken man. A merry Christmas, everybody. And a happy new year. Hello! Ho, ho, ho.
Oh, really? For a man who'd been out of practice for so many years, he had a splendid laugh. The father of a long line of brilliant laughs. I don't know what day month it is. I, I don't know how long I've been among the spirits. I, I don't know anything. But I don't care. I'm quite a baby. I'd rather be a baby. Hello. <laughs> The church bells ding dong. <laughs> oh, glorious! The sunlight, the heavenly sky, oh, jovial gold, fresh air, oh, glorious, glorious, and again glorious. Hello there, boy. Hey. What's today? What? What's today, my fine fellow? <laughs> Why it's Christmas Day? Christmas Day. I haven't missed it. The spirits did it all in one night. But they can do anything they like. Of course they can. Hello, my fine fellow. Hello. Do you know the poulterers in the next street but one? Oh, I should hope I did. Intelligent boy. Remarkable for me. Do you know whether they sold the prize turkey that was hanging out there? Not the, the little one, the big one. What? The one that's as big as me? What a delightful boy. Pleasure to talk to. <laughs> yes, my love. Well, you take it there now. Go and buy it. Oh, Walker! No, no, I'm in earnest. Go and buy it and tell him to bring it here that I may give directions where to take it. Come back with the man, I'll give you a shilling. You come back with him in less than five minutes, I'll give you half a crown. I'll send it to Bob Cratchit. He won't know who said it. It's twice the size of Tiny Tim. Shaving was a bit of a task, trembling as he was. But if he had cut off the end of his nose, he would have put a piece of sticking plaster over it and been quite satisfied. <laughs> he dressed all in his best and at last got out onto the streets. Good morning, sir. Merry Christmas to you. Good morning, my dear. Good morning, lad. Good morning, Ephra. Ephra Parlegill. Mr. Scoot, sir, I know I have paid my debt yet, sir, but it's my wife. She's so considerate paid, my good man. Paid, sir? Yes. And here's a little something for your wife. Oh, oh, thank you, sir. Merry Christmas to you, my good fellow. Uh, uh, Merry Christmas, Mr. Scoot. Charity fund. Hello! Hello, my fine fellows. My dear sirs. How do you do? I, I hope you succeeded yesterday. It was very kind of you. Mr. Scrooge. Yes. That is my name. I, I fear it may not be pleasant to you. Allow me to ask your pardon. And will you have the goodness to accept a small donation? Lord! Me. My dear Mr. Scrooge, are you serious? If you please, and not a farthing left. Great many back payments are included in it, I assure you. Will you do me that favor? Oh, my dear sir, I don't know what to say to such generosity. Don't say anything, please. Come and see me. Will you come and see me? We will. I am much obliged to you. Thank you. Fifty times. 
Bless you both, and Merry Christmas to you. Merry Christmas. Scrooge went to the church and walked about the streets and watched people hurrying to and fro, and patted children on the hand, and found that everything yielded him pleasure. In the afternoon, he turned his steps towards his nephew's house. He passed the door a dozen times before he had the courage to come up and knock. Fred. How could Scrooge? Dear hearts alive! I have come to dinner. Let you let me in? Let him in? <laughs> it is a mercy he didn't shake his arm off. <laughs> wonderful party, wonderful games, wonderful happiness. Oh, but Scrooge was early at the office the next morning. Oh, he was there early. If he could only be there first to catch Bob Cratchit coming late, that was the thing he had set his heart on. And he did it. The clock was full 18 minutes and a half behind time. Hello? What do you mean by coming here this time of day? I'm, I'm very sorry, sir. I, I am behind my time. Yes, you are. I think you are. Step this way, sir, please. It's only once a year, sir. It shall not be repeated. I, I, I was making rather merry yesterday, sir. I'm sure you were. I'll tell you what, my friend. I am not going to stand for this sort of thing any longer. And therefore, you leave me no recourse but to raise your salary. A Merry Christmas, Bob! A Merrier Christmas, Bob, my good fellow, that I have given you for many a year. I'll raise your salary and endeavor to assist your family. We'll discuss your affairs this very afternoon over a bowl of Christmas punch. Make up the fires and buy another coal scuttle before you dot another eye, Bob Cratchit. Scrooge was better than his word. He did it all and infinitely more. And to time it him, who did not die, he was a second father. He became as good a friend, as good a master, and as good a man as the good old city knew. Or any other good old city, town, or borough in the good old world. And it was always said of him that he knew how to keep Christmas well if any man alive possessed the knowledge. May that truly be said of us and all of us. And so as Tiny Tim observed, God, God bless us, everyone. We wish you a Merry Christmas. We wish you a Merry Christmas. We wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Thank you for listening to Monday Matinee right here on the Mutual Audio Network.
Please consider subscribing to other days of the Mutual Feeds, including Tuesday Terrors for Horror, Wednesday Wonders, our science fiction and fantasy magazine, Thursday Thrillers for action, adventure, mystery, and crime drama, Friday Follies, our end-of-the-week comedy series, Saturday Story Circle for kids and families alike, and Sunday Showcase, bringing you the very newest in audio releases for the week from our United Artists of Audio, right here on the Mutual Audio Network. The Mutual Audio Network. Listening and imagining together. <laughs>